0: Please listen to the scripture as recorded in the book of James, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check, with a bridle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships. Though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also, the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and in itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed And has been tamed by the human species, but no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or a grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. The word of God for the people of God.
1: Today, we find ourselves in the fourth week of this series we're calling So Great a Cloud of Witnesses. In this series, we are hearing ten stories of ten lives, ten people who lived and died in the years of the 20th century. Throughout this series, we are learning that saints and martyrs didn't just live hundreds of years in the past, but there are saints and martyrs living and dying for Jesus still in this world today. We are learning in this series what they have to teach us about walking in the way of Jesus. Today our journey is going to take us to China. Wang Ximing was born in southern China, in the hills of southern China, right at the moment in history when missionaries from Britain and Australia started to bring the Christian faith to that part of the world. And so Wang, growing up in southern China, never knew a world without the church. He grew up attending a Christian school. He became a teacher and taught in a Christian school. As a young adult, he was elected to the church council by his congregation. He lived a very quiet and ordinary life of service for many, many years. But then at the age of 41, he heard God calling, and he left teaching behind, and he became a pastor. He was ordained as a pastor in the church. At that time, becoming a pastor in the church was, was anything but a quiet and ordinary thing to do. At that time, becoming a pastor in the church took an awful lot of courage because Wang Ming was living in a troubled and a turbulent time in the history Of the Chinese people. He was ordained as a pastor two years after the end of the Chinese Civil War. He was ordained as a pastor two years after Chairman Mao and the Communist Party seized control of China. Now, at that time, the Chinese people, officially speaking, had freedom of religion, but unofficially speaking, the Communist Party encouraged persecution of Christians. The communists didn't trust the church. In the church, they saw a foreign religion, that was supported by foreign money. They saw the Christian faith as a a tool of foreign influence within the borders of China, and so the communist leaders encouraged people to persecute Christians. It was a difficult time to be a Christian, and it was a dangerous time to be a pastor. Pastors and leaders in the church like Wang were required to sign a loyalty oath to prove their devotion to the communist party. And Wang Ming signed the loyalty oath. He was happy to go along to get along. He just wanted the government and the communist leaders to stay out of his way so he could go on with his quiet and ordinary pastoral ministry. But then there came a moment when the communist party asked too much, when they asked Pastor Wang to do something that he wasn't willing to do, when they asked him to go farther than he was willing to go. Now, one of the ways in which the communist leaders were tightening their grip on the Chinese people was through a gathering, an event that was called a denunciation rally. The way that these denunciation rallies worked was this. If there was somebody who was suspected of being an enemy of the communist party, if there was somebody who the communists thought might cause trouble for the communist revolution, then that person would be seized and they would be taken to a public place, to a classroom, to an auditorium, to a sports arena, and they would be forced to stand in front of their friends and their neighbors and their family. And then they would continue to stand in front of that great crowd of friends and neighbors and family while their friends and neighbors and family took turns coming forward to the stage and denouncing that person. They would stand in front of that person and accuse them of crimes and treason. They would shout at that person that they should repent of their sins against the Communist Party, that they should declare then and there their devotion to the Communist Revolution. If somebody refused to confess their sins, then that person would be attacked and tortured. Their hair would be hacked off. Their hands would be tied. They would be made to stand for hours in stress positions while people continued to berate them and shout at them and yell at them. And if somebody finally, after all of those hours of denunciation, still refused to confess their sins, still refused to confess their crimes, then they would be taken away to the prison camps. Now this was a a clever and devious form of social control that the Communist Party had come up with. Not only did they eliminate potential enemies, potential opponents of the Communist Revolution, but they also understood that this was an effective way of tightening their grip over the minds and the hearts of the Chinese people. What the Communist leaders understood was, if I can get you to denounce your teacher if I can get you to accuse your neighbor, if I can get you to attack your grandfather in front of all of these people, then now I have taken possession of your soul. Now you are invested in the success of the communist revolution. Now you are invested, you have a stake in the story that the communist party tells about who is good and who is evil. These denunciation rallies, they worked on a a sort of mob mentality, and it was understood that everybody was expected to take part in these rallies. But over and over again, when his neighbors went to the rallies, Pastor Wong stayed at home. People noticed that Pastor Wong wasn't participating in the denunciation rallies. He was invited to come and take part, but he declined over and over again. And finally, this brought him to the attention of the local Communist Party leaders. And so they came to him and they said, Pastor, we have noticed that you're not taking part in the rallies. Why are you not taking part in the rallies? Pastor Wong answered very simply. He said, These hands have baptized many converts. And with these hands, I should not do sinful things. Now that answer could have come straight out of the pages of the New Testament book of James. In the New Testament, we have this book called the book of James. The book of James is a letter. It was written by a leader in the early years of the Christian church, a leader in the church who called himself James. There's an old tradition that says that the James who wrote this letter is the same James who was the brother of Jesus, the same James who was a leader of the church, a leader of the Christians in the city of Jerusalem. I don't know if that's true or not. It's hard to say. James was a very popular name back in those days. There were a lot of leaders in the church, a lot of apostles who were called James, and we don't know for sure which James it was who wrote this letter, the letter that we call the book of James. What we do know for certain What we can tell as we read our way through the pages of the book of James is that this letter was written during a troubled and turbulent time in the life of the followers of Jesus. As we read through the letter of James, we can see that there were deep divisions and conflicts that were threatening to splinter and tear apart the church, even at that early stage in the growth in the life of the Christian faith. There were class and social divisions that were breaking apart the church. The wealthy believers looked down on the poor believers. The leaders of the church were showing preferential treatment to the people who were able to give the biggest tithes. And there were theological divisions within the church. There were people who said, we are saved by faith and faith alone, but there were other people who said, yes, we are saved by faith, but then God expects us to do something with our faith. God expects us to go out and do good works and not just sit on our faith until we all get to go to heaven. There were cultural divisions within the church. Those Christians who had grown up within the Jewish faith looked down on those Gentile believers who came to faith in another way. The Gentile believers looked down on the Jewish believers. They were all all of these divisions and conflicts within the church and James speaks about these divisions and these conflicts in his letter and then in the heart of his letter in the midst of all of this trouble and turmoil James gives the church this piece of advice he shares this piece of wisdom with the church he says all of these conflicts and divisions that we face would be so much easier to reckon with if only we could get a hold of our tongues The tongue is a small thing, James says, but it is a small thing that has the power to cause great harm. The tongue has got the power to set our bodies on fire and to poison our souls. Think of it this way, James says. We put a bit in the mouth of a horse and with that tiny bit, we are able to guide and direct a powerful animal that is much larger than we are. Think about the ships that you see down in the harbor, James says, with just one hand on the tiller. A pilot is able to guide and steer that enormous sailing vessel. The tongue is like a bit. The tongue is like the rudder on a ship. The tongue guides and steers our hearts and minds and souls. With our tongues, James says, we bless God the Father in worship. And with those same tongues, we curse our neighbors who are made in the image of that very same God. It should not be so James says, From the same mouth, from the same lips, should not come blessing and curses. With the same hands, we should not do the work of God and also cause harm to our neighbors. That's what Pastor Wong said when they asked him why he didn't take part in these denunciation rallies. And for that simple answer, for that quiet and faithful answer, he was labeled as an opponent, as an enemy of the communist revolution. He was labeled as a counter revolutionary. And then came the cultural revolution. Now, once Chairman Mao and the Communist Party leaders felt like they had enough control over the Chinese government and over the Chinese people, they decided that it was time for a major change in the culture of the Chinese people. It was time to sweep away everything old in order to make room for the new thing that they were trying to build. One of the old things that they wanted to sweep away was religious tradition and religious faith. They saw religious faith as a sort of an ancient superstition that was keeping the Chinese people from moving forward, from growing into the communist revolution. And so leaders of the church, particularly leaders of religious faiths like Islam and Christianity that were seen as foreign influences within the borders of China, were rounded up and sent to prison camps. Pastor Wong and his whole family were swept up and taken away to a prison camp. And then after years of torture and starvation in the prison camps, finally Pastor Wang was sentenced to death. He was taken to a sports arena where there was a crowd of 10,000 people, 10,000 of his neighbors. He was executed in front of that crowd of 10,000 people. The Communist Party leaders in that part of China had hoped that his death, his execution, would send a message They had hoped that his death would put a stop to the growth of the Christian faith in that part of China. But as has happened so many times before in the history of the church, his death, his martyrdom, his witness had exactly the opposite effect to what his executioners had intended. When the people who were gathered there that day saw how calmly he faced his execution... When they saw the way in which he died, not with curses on his lips, but with blessings. When they saw the contrast between his quiet humility and the cruelty and the violence of his executioners, people there became more open, not less open, to the Christian faith. When Pastor Wong was killed, there were fewer than 3,000 Christians in the county where he was a pastor. By the end of the Cultural Revolution, a few years later, there were 12,000 Christians in the county where Pastor Wang was a pastor. Today, there are more than 30,000 Christians in that part of China. Hundreds of churches, all of those churches remember, all of those churches tell the story of Pastor Wang, this quiet and ordinary follower of Jesus who was executed, who became an enemy of the state simply for refusing to curse his, neighbors. His witness lives on to this day. To this day, Pastor Wong challenges us. To this day, Pastor Wong continues to ask us this question. How would our lives be different? And how might the world be healed if we were to say these hands are devoted to the work of God? And so with these hands, I will not harm my neighbor. How would our lives be different? How might the world be healed if we were to say, these hands are devoted to the work of God, and so with these hands I will not tap curses into my cell phone or type curses and insults into my keyboard? How might our lives be different? How might our world be healed if we were to say, This tongue blesses God the Father in worship. And so with this tongue, I will not curse my neighbor. I will not curse my enemy. I will not curse that person who sits in that pew over there. With this tongue, I refuse to curse anyone who is made in the image of God. Let's pray. God, we pray that in the midst of our quiet and ordinary lives, you would give us the courage of Pastor Wong. Help us to recognize that moment when this world asks us to go too far. Help us to recognize that moment when the only faithful response we can give is a simple no. Help us to recognize that moment when the most faithful answer we can give is to say these hands are devoted to the work of God. And so with these hands, I will not harm my neighbor. God, give us the faithfulness of Pastor Wong that this world might be healed. In Jesus we pray. Amen.